Well, I hope you had a thankful week. Certainly we have a lot that the Lord's given us to be thankful for. <clears throat> I'm sure you have, have those things personally, but also as a congregation, the Lord has really blessed us this year. We've had uh, just some incredible experiences with the Lord, and he's moved us along his uh, agenda, which has been incredible and surprising, really. The things that he had planned for us and the agenda that he has unfolding for us has been surprising. Uh, just a confession, this week I, I've been, uh, I mean for a couple of weeks really now, I've been dealing with uh, some personal anxiety, just really more in the, in the way of uh, thinking that I was big enough to mess up something that God wants to do, and so I, I'm over myself. This morning has been a really good, sweet time of worship and celebrating the things the Lord's been speaking this week, just trying to remind me, not trying, successfully reminding me that he will finish what he started. And uh, he who begins the work is the one that, that will complete it. And so I appreciate our, our songs this morning, a celebration of who God is. and uh, He's in control. He has it all and certainly uh, deserves our praise. I think I've also been encouraged by the fact that I've been uh, feeling weak. Uh, the Lord has reminded me also that a number of different experiences uh, personally, and as I've been trying to spend some time with our leaders, our weak leaders, uh, at how significant it is that we find ourselves weak, that when God looks around the earth to find someone to use, he looks for the weak, not the strong, uh, because he can reveal his glory. And so this morning as we were singing about the dry bones, uh, you know, crying out, and I just said, there's no better story in scripture of weakness of dry, dead bones in a, in a wilderness were the only things that were weak enough for God to use. And I think about Gideon, that uh, he had an army of 10,000, and God said, you have too many for me to deliver you. That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? You have too many for me to deliver you. And he reduces his army down to 300 men armed with jars and torches. Uh, to go and defeat this massive army of Midianites and Eastern peoples. So I've been reminded this week of that. And, and I'm celebrating today that God is doing his work and, and accomplishing his agenda. And so I want us all to remi remi remember that and find ourselves weak today and embrace that. Embrace the weakness. Embrace your failures. Embrace, embrace not embrace your sin in the sense of continuing to walk in it. But em embrace the grace of God that covers your sin. Even though we keep messing up, he's continually moving us forward. But particularly right now as we're looking at transitioning some in our, in our uh, corporate structure and in in, in, uh, fine-tuning some of the things that God has spoken uh, even since the beginning of the gathering place, but fine-tuning our practice of those things by you know, a lot of what we've been doing over the last... Uh, four or five months, or definitely or the whole year in the, in the way of looking at the book of Acts and the church in its infancy, totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit and seeing what the Holy Spirit does when people in their weakness, in, their, in, their, in the infancy of their faith, in, their infancy, in the infancy of their experience with the Holy Spirit and the total dependence upon the Holy Spirit, what that looks like when that's fleshed out and finding ourselves in, in some ways uh, 
too structured, finding ourselves in some ways too, uh, doing too many things uh, and, and depending on the things that we do instead of on the Holy Spirit, finding ourselves um, holding on to patterns that have been developed for us in many ways by the, the modern-day church, um, by famous preachers and big uh, congregations and uh, mega churches, and we've adopted a lot of that. And we're, we're finding ourselves in a new place right now of being willing to and open to uh, adjusting our practices to fit what the Lord has been teaching us in the book of Acts. So I, I, when I say we, I hope it's we. I hope it's not Glenn and the rest of us are going, oh yeah, well we're out of here in a very short time. Um, I've, I've just completed uh, however many weeks of meetings with 29 people that really have felt pressed to push in to their practice of the things that God has spoken for this church. And uh, I'm encouraged by the experiences that those 29 have had in our time together and just how God has revealed himself through their daily lives and their, their ongoing practices of the basic things that God's told us to do as a church, to abide in him, to bless the lost and wandering and to commit to community and how God has, has revealed himself in, through the lives of the people we're connected with and then also in our quiet times and the things that we're praying about and seeking the Lord for, how he's been speaking and, and working in miraculous ways. The thing I'm most excited about is just seeing how in the, in the greatest way I've ever experienced in ministry in 30 eight, 39 years, seeing how God, when he has had access to the gathering place now for 11 years, how he has worked with us patiently and moved us forward in baby steps, it seems like, moved us forward. At times we thought we were something and now we know we're nothing, but he's moved us forward a little bit at a time. To this, to this time, to this period in the life of our church, really as we close out uh, the book of Acts today. I want you to remember the things the Lord has spoken, and we'll bring these all back up at the first, in the first of the year in kind of a, 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 a state of the church address as we begin next year. But I want you to remember that God has spoken many things for us and things that we need to adjust to and, and uh, adjust our lives to, adjust our practices to. And that these are the things that need to happen now, that, that at the very beginning of this study, back when we were in the fellowship hall because of the flood that happened here, you remember God started speaking and warning us, uh, first of all, that this study was a very timely and purposeful study, that it's for now and it has, it has purpose, uh, significance for us as a body, which means if we don't adjust to it, then we're missing, we will miss what it is that God has for us. If we don't adjust to it, then, then all, of what we, all the work we've done up to this point, really, uh, is not going to be effective. We've got to continue to adjust our lives to what the Lord says. And so there's going to be some challenges coming for all of us. There have been a lot of challenges that we've had already. I've been challenging our, our leaders, particularly life group leaders over the past few weeks, about stepping up and becoming pastors and challenging all of you also to consider whether God would be calling you to, to pastor, not pastor in the traditional sense, not leaving uh, your job and going to seminary and spending 
however many years studying and getting your degree, uh, although some of you may be called to do that. Uh, not, not pastoring a church in a building like this, but pastoring in your house. Pastoring a home church with maybe one other cu- couple in this congregation. Asking God with, with the intention of, uh, with, with an awareness of your weakness, with an awareness of your uh, lack of, uh, of preparation, if you will, in the traditional sense, asking the Lord with an awareness of that, God, would you have me to do something like that in my home? Without putting any limitations on that, to just ask the Lord, should I be a part of something like that? I believe the Lord's fixing to blow up this work that he started in the gathering place. And I think he's fixing to, the gathering place uh, ward bill is also uh, going through major transitions and thinking about and praying about how to move more to a focus on training leadership within the congregation to be prepared and feeling prepared to be able to pastor, depending on the Holy Spirit, finding themselves weak, but depending on the strength of the Holy Spirit to lead them to reach people in their neighborhood, to reach people in their workplace, in your workplace, to reach the people that you already have relationships with, but to to go ahead and take the step, to quit just talking about it and planning it and to go ahead and move forward. It's been difficult for me to transition in in my thinking uh, of not being a pastor who preaches here every Sunday, to start thinking about the roles that God has for me and in planting churches and multiplying community. It's been hard for me to think of that. But God's been speaking so clearly. Some of the, and, and you'll see today in today's text how in order for us to continue the work that God's called us to do as a small congregation touching the, literally touching the world, we have to adjust to his plans, which means you not stepping back, not pulling off, but moving forward, pressing in, increasing your devotion to the Lord and your, and your commitment to this congregation and the work specifically that God's called this congregation to do. I guess that you know that nobody else in this town is doing what we're doing. It's not that we're better. It's not that we're more important. It's that we are unique. There are distinctives that God has given us as a church that other churches are not even asking about. And, and so this work that God's called us to do is, is significant. It's important that you, after all the time that most of you have spent here, plugging in, listening, hearing, opening yourselves up to the Lord, that you step in to this commitment. The default mode, as I talked to the worship team this morning, is that when I start disconnecting more from this congregation as, as, a, as a pastor on Sunday morning, a preacher on Sunday mornings, when I start disconnecting from this role, that the tendency for us in our default in, in days gone by before we were at the gathering place was that we would say, oh, I'm, I like it the way it used to be. You know, everything was good back then, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find something else. And I would say in Paul's words, God forbid. <laughs> All the investment that God has made in your life I have not made any investment other than trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and letting him speak through me. But the investment that God has made in your life for the sake of this community should weigh heavy on your shoulders. 
not heavy and like a burden that's, that God's not carrying all of it by himself. But that, that weight should, should challenge you, should make you feel like I, need, I must move forward in the, in the things that God's called us to do. You know things, and you've had encounters with God. You have had experiences with God that have prepared you to be something in this community that nobody else can be. And so see the significance of what God's done in your life. See the significance of, of your, your role within the congregation. And don't let yourself be, fall prey to the enemy's tactics to, pull, to cause you to want to pull away and keep things as they are. In the book of Acts, we've been talking about multiplying community, and, and we've been all over the place with Paul, going from place to place, uh, multiplying the church. And, and today I want to talk about continuing the work. This will be our last sermon uh, in the book of Acts. We're going to start a series uh, next Sunday on the Advent. We're going to be talking about Christmas and Christ, the Christ of Christmas, and all that's tied into that by God's command and design. So this week I read the rest of the book of Acts when God put that on my heart that we needed to do this, this series. And it's, the rest of the book of Acts is about Paul. It's certainly about the people that Paul's impacting, but it's really about Paul and his life. And as I've been reading through the book of Acts, particularly when we got to the stages of multiplication, God has caused me to look at Paul as an example for my ministry and what he's calling me to do. And so I want to, I want to use this text today. I want to unfold some things that God's spoken about my ministry and my role in your life and my role in the gathering place and ask you to prayerfully uh, listen, carefully listen, and prepare yourself and help me uh, to prepare myself as we move this direction. In Acts chapter 20, which is where we left off, in verses 1 through 6, this is what it says. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derb and Timothy and the Asians Tychicus and Trophimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days, we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. All right, now I'm going to use that as a jumping off place. Here is the, the new broken record of Paul's life. Here is, uh, when I say broken record, some of you don't even know what a record is. So I grew up in a time when... He, I mean, if you had a broken or scratched record, like a, like a, a vinyl, and you're playing it, what does it do? It's keep, it just stays there and keeps skipping in the same spot. This is, the, this is the, the, what Paul is doing now with the close of his life. From here through the rest of the book of Acts, all we're going to do is we're going to trace Paul following the Holy Spirit, being intentional to plant churches, to encourage churches and brothers, to correct problems in churches, and to develop leaders. All right, so in this case, and, and from here all the way through to the, the end of the book of Acts, just as a matter of time, 
He spent three months in Greece, seven days in Troas, rushed to Jerusalem for Pentecost, seven days in Tyre with the disciples, two years in Jerusalem in prison, three months sailing and shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and then, made a, uh, and then Rome for two years. And some believe that he was released in prison. He was in prison in Rome. And then some people believe he was released from prison, had two more years of ministry where he, he continues to plant churches in Ephesus and Titus, which is uh, where Timothy and Titus, those letters were written to those, uh, those uh, leaders of those churches. And then back to Rome to close out his life where he would be in prison, arrested, and would die uh, ultimately in prison in Rome. So different amounts of time. All of it as the Spirit led, and you'll see some evidence of this, but different amounts of time being spent as the Spirit leads him in different places, showing him how he needed to be used in each situation, and he does different things in all these situations. Now, we've seen this pattern already in Paul's life, and we've talked about it in connection to the different churches where he was. But this is what Paul does. This is his ministry. It's got, Paul understands the will of God. Paul is trying to strengthen the church, not just a local church, but multiple churches, the believers across the world, the, the known world of his time. He's, at least three missionary journeys are recorded. And again, some would believe that he had a fourth missionary journey, that he was released from Rome and spent a couple more years uh, planting churches. So missionary journeys, going out and, and planting and encouraging and building churches and correcting uh, problems in the churches that caused the, where, where the churches were beginning to get off the, the distinctives that we've talked about so clearly that God, uh, the Holy Spirit has given to all of the apostles and all of the churches. Staying true to those distinctives and correcting the problems if it was a if it was a sin in the lives of certain people in the church that was causing some dissension or struggles within the church, then he would come and, or, or write a letter, either one, to the church, helping them to correct that, that sin in their life. Or if it was something that they were neglecting that they needed to do, like we found that the uh, elders stepping up and making the decision to take care of the, the, uh, the widows, if there was something in the church that they were neglecting to do, that it would be obvious the Holy Spirit was leading them to do, that was a part, again, of those distinctives, then, then Paul was helping to continue that. I've already begun to do that. I already feel in, in so many ways as I've been reading what Paul's struggles were with the churches and his, his heart for the churches and his desire to see the, the message of Christ and those distinctives that the Holy Spirit was putting into the church as Paul struggles with that in tears and, and, and is willing to, to sacrifice so many things in order to make that happen, I've, I've just found that in my heart. These are the same things that God's put in my heart. We have limited, a limited number of places that we've been, but I'm so excited about what's going on in Ruston right now. I'm so excited about what's already going on in Honduras, and they can't wait. The, the abiding cycle has been translated into Spanish, and and uh, the, the grace book, portions of that have been translated into Spanish. All of our distinctives have been translated into Spanish and sermons that will help us to be able to communicate the distinctives of the gathering place exactly as the Holy Spirit has given them, given them to us. He's already opened the door. And I'm going in January to speak with 25 pastors who have already, who are, can't wait to meet with us. And I, I just can't, I can't wait to see how the Holy Spirit's going to move and work in Honduras as a result of 
this little church, our little group of people who have sought the Lord and fleshed this out, how that's going to look in another country. And you know other doors are opening up in multiple places right now that I haven't had time to be able to pursue, but I do have time, and I'm going to take time because this is my call. And so I'm going to be moving around. There'll be times when I'm here in the pulpit preaching to this church, bringing words of encouragement or correction or uh, direction. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit leads me to do, and as he leads me to do it, I'll be here and, and speaking uh, to this congregation. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to continue to have a relationship. And there's some other ways that I'll talk about that Paul continues to, to work. But the point being, it's three, three months here. It's, it's, it's uh, two years here. Wherever the Lord says to go, and for our, however long the Lord would have us to be in a specific place, then we're going to go and we're going to make uh, these distinctives known. Biblical church. What does it look like to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit and be a part of a community of believers? We're going to duplicate that. And when I say we, I mean we. I mean, you're going to be with me. We're going to go. We're going to do these things together. I can't tell you how encouraging it's been that Ashley and Levi made a decision to, to move to Ruston. To, to be, they made that decision because God said, go be a part of the church. They moved there without a job, and, and a lot of us judged that in some ways. But they are thriving right now. This is the strongest that they've ever been together. And, and they're working hard and they're having such a great impact on the church. And Hal and Hannah have, have also felt called to connect with that church and have been driving up and meeting with them. And it's been such a huge impact on those believers. And so I'm asking you to commit to that, but to commit to do it here. And then as God would lead you to go somewhere else, we're already prepared to go wherever the Lord will lead us to go. But different amounts of time as the Spirit leads. Paul was still doing signs as needed. In, in, in verse 7 through 10, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, this is in Troas, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. He prolonged his speech until midnight. He preached like I did. This is how I know it's the Holy Spirit when I go along. See? Also, something else happened. There were many lamps in the upper room where we gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting in the window, sank into deep sleep. I said, I'm good at that, too. Some of you, I can put you to sleep pretty quick. Uh, as Paul still talked longer, or talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell from the third-story window and was taken up dead. None of you have had that yet, but better watch out. But Paul went down and bent over him. And taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And, the, and I, I didn't put the rest of the scripture up there, but Paul raises this man, or God raises this man from the dead. Raises this young boy from the dead. And so Paul is still, still performing signs. This is a tremendous sign. It's the only time uh, that Paul raises someone from the dead. But God is showing, the Holy Spirit is doing works and doing signs through Paul, still doing that. Paul's still trying to reach the Jews. He's still making his effort to, to preach to the Jews. Uh, in verse 16, it said that uh, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. He's still getting in the temple. He's still going to the synagogue. He's still following the feasts and festivals, doing all he can to become all things to all people, particularly in this case, he's becoming 
a Jew, as, to, as a Jew to the Jews. Not that he's bound by the law, but he's following the religious uh, law in some ways to continue to have a voice among the Jewish people. So he's still trying to reach the Jews. He's still performing signs. In verses 17 to 21, he's still modeling, or he's still developing leaders. Look at what he says in verses 17 to 21. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. He's saying, I set an example for you. You saw how I lived. You didn't just hear about it from the outside. I walked with you. You saw me. You, you are part of that. You saw how I lived. I lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back. Remember, he got stoned and, 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 and was left for dead. He walked among them. Uh, I did not shrink back anyway from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he continues to, to model. Or he, he's saying, I have modeled for you elders of Ephesus, You've watched me do these things. You watched me do these things. You saw how I lived among you. And he says, I, I'm, I have lived this way because the Holy Spirit has led me. You saw how I lived, serving the Lord. And we could, we could take that and break it down, and I encourage you to, but he's going to give a challenge that's going to break it down for us here in a minute. So he modeled for them. He also modeled continuing to the very end. In verses 22 and 24, he tells them, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. That's not an afterthought. That is the purpose and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. He says, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except this. He says that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So he's saying, the only thing I know for sure is the Holy Spirit is leading me to go to Jerusalem and other places, and, he's, and that the Holy Spirit has already said that in every one of the places I go, there's going to be problems. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be, I'm going to be, my life is going to be threatened. Now, I hope that's not true about me for Talatha's sake. But I don't know. Wherever the Lord leads me to go, I'm willing to go. But Paul is saying, I'm going to continue to follow to the end no matter what. He says, I don't account my life of any value or as precious to myself if only I may finish my course. Listen, and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace, the grace of God. So Paul is doing this by the Holy Spirit. Everything he's doing, he's doing by the Holy Spirit. These are the distinctives that, that God is putting into the church through his servant, Paul. He's doing it at personal risk. His, his life is threatened, and he knows it because he's already, the Holy Spirit in some way has already revealed to him that this is going to cost you, Paul. 
It's ultimately going to cost you your life. <clears throat> and yet he continues to press toward Jerusalem. It reminds me of Jesus. When Jesus set his face, the Bible says, like a flint toward Jerusalem, because now's the time. When the time came, he went to Jerusalem knowing what would happen to him. And the same thing happens with Paul. And so he's, he's at personal risk. And, also, and, and so I just want to say to you clearly, number one, for me and for us as a church, whoever would be involved with me at times in this ministry, this is by the Holy Spirit's design. I have worked through the, this, the study of the book of Acts in, in these last uh, chapters regarding the call of Paul and his ministry to multiply the church, and I know this is God's call. I've seen it in the scriptures as I felt drawn to it. I feel the same things Paul feels. And then I'm watching as God continues to add opportunities, one after another after another. That means there's no way that I can continue to do what I do here and, do, and, and move this church forward. I've got to move forward. I've got to be that person out there. And I'm willing to do it at, at any expense. I have to ask, so I have been asking those questions. Don't get an overinflated idea of who your pastor is. I've had a mild case of anxiety dealing with the reality of the fact that I don't know what the future holds yet. I can't put, a, there's no plan specifically. I don't know what is going to happen to us, how this ministry is going to be financed. It costs money to go to all these places. Uh, you know, we spend money to go to Ruston right now every week. The church does. And, and if we're going more places, where's that coming from? Our budget this past week was six, our, our checking account was at $65 at the Gathering Place West. It's kind of funny. Last week, uh, I was talking with, um, with Zach, and he was talking about, you know, the, they were talking about their budget for the next year and how they were trying to be tight. And, and there was, I, can't, I won't tell you how much, but it's multiple thousands of dollars in their account. He was saying, we're a little nervous. I was saying, let me show you our bank account. <laughs> Here's our, this is this week's balance. Uh, God is more than able to take care of those things. I know that. And, and I trust that. I really do. It doesn't mean that my flesh doesn't have anxiety sometimes thinking about what's going to happen next, right? So I challenge you guys, as you start thinking about your role in the church, don't step back in your giving, step forward. We got a lot more stuff to do. It's going to cost a lot more money to do these things. And God may very well, you may be the one that God's going to use. You may be one of the many that God's going to use to fund these ministries. We got a lot to do, and it, it costs money to do those things. But money is nothing to God. And, and some of you need a challenge, you need your faith challenged in that way. But he was also willing to do it at personal expense. In Ephesus particularly, Paul never asked for anything. You know, there are certain places where Paul went, Corinth was one of them, where he didn't ask for anything. And, and probably in Ephesus, it was because there were wealthy people there who were used to having people come and mooch off of them. And, and, and so Paul steps in and, and he doesn't ask anybody for anything because these Ephesian believers, the Ephesians were wealthy. This is a wealthy town. They had plenty of money. Matter of fact, he goes on to say here, let's read it together in verses 33 to 35. We'll come back, but let's read that. In verse uh, 34 and 35, he says, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities 
and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We need to recognize that it's more blessed to give than to receive and that there are, there are times when we cannot draw, uh, we, we need to not draw any monies from anybody else. I, we, I have lots of friends in ministry, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. Lots of friends in ministry who have, and we have missionaries that we support who have raised their own support. They've gone to friends and people in the ministry and asked them to pray about supporting them in the ministry. We, uh, we are supporting missionaries uh, in foreign countries and in, and in the United States uh, who are drawing support from a number of different places. And they were led by the Holy Spirit to ask for that support. There's nothing wrong with that. I can't get a piece about it yet. I wish I could. It would be really easy for me to do because I have lots of people that believe in this ministry. But God's got that. The point is that he was willing to do it at his own expense. And I'm telling you guys, you need to know this. My wife and I have already, uh, we have already made proven to this congregation multiple times that we are willing to go and do whatever the Lord leads us to do. And money is never going to be even a consideration of whether we're going to be obedient to the Lord in his work. Now, there were certainly times when, when Paul was thankful for churches that were blessing him. In fact, in, in Philippians chapter 4, look at this. Here, here's, here's Paul's response. Here's what Paul has learned from, uh, from how the Lord has provided for him financially in his ministry. He says in verse 10 of chapter 4 in Philippians, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He was talking about giving. He says, now that I'm not speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have earned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Isn't that good? Yet it was kind of you, he says, Philippians, to share, share my trouble. <laughs> he said, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent, sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he did it at, at personal expense. And I just want you guys to know that that's the heart, always has been the heart, uh, my heart and Talitha's heart in ministry at the gathering place. We feel so blessed. This past week, I just sat in a the, in the deer stand on, on Friday morning for hours watching the sun come up and thinking about how blessed we are to have this church, to be able to do this work together. It's not about what we make here. It's about the work and the fruit that God's producing in our lives and in your life and in this community. And we would, we would see that continue at, at every expense to ourselves. 
And that's not bragging. That's just we love the Lord, and we love what he's doing. We'll continue to do that as the Lord leads. So we're praying and asking the Lord right now, meeting with elders this week to ask, what do we need to do? I need accountability in this area, and we need to ask together, what is God's will in regard to our finances, and how do we finance this ministry that God's called us to? But also, Paul's willing to do it at the loss of personal contact with friends. He actually called these elders in to tell them, I'm not going to see you anymore. Look at it in verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Now, I'm not saying that today, okay? Now, everyone will announce it the other day. I've heard a few of you come up and say, you're leaving? No, we're not. It's a lot that has a ministry at Louisiana College. I have a ministry with leaders in this church. God's called me to continue to, to, to work with leaders. I'm going to continue to train leaders. I have that time and, and opportunity, and I'm going to do it as the Lord leads. And I, I'm going to continue to be an elder and a leader in this church, and we'll continue to speak as the Lord tells us to do that. But he was willing to do it at the loss of personal contact with friends. And we're willing to do that. That's the hardest part of this. When life and I talk about being somewhere else, maybe on a Sunday morning, planting another church, the hardest part of, that, of this whole process for us is not being with you on a Sunday morning. We love it here. And we just love to, we feel so connected to everybody here. And so I hope the Lord will allow us to be here a lot of Sundays. But that, that's where we're headed. Ultimately, is we've, got to, we've got to ask about that. And I hope that you would do it also. That as you think about your life group, as you think about planting another church in your home, go ahead and hold on to the church that you go to on Thursday night or Wednesday night or Monday night or Sunday. Hold on to that church while you establish one in your own home. We're not asking for less commitment. We're not asking for equal commitment. We're asking for more commitment. Is that we would take this call that God has for us, and your call might not, excuse me, might not be to go to uh, a foreign country, to another state, or even another town. Your call is to, is to step it up in your commitment to another night and draw, your, draw your, your strength from the group that you're with now in the house church that you're in, but then go ahead and start another one in your home and, and fill it with people that are not here, people in this community that are out there lost and wandering and, and need this. This past week in Ruston, Talitha and I got to do a, a wedding for a couple that are not in church anywhere. They're, they were, he, uh, the, the, the guy that, was, that we were doing the wedding for was burned by the church years ago, and he had given up on God, church, and everything else. And, and we got to share our, the gathering place philosophy. They came and ate with our, with our house church, and then we went off to the side and did some premarital counseling, and the experience that the Lord gave them with the house church and with us just sharing the gospel, the truth of the gospel, what it means to be born of God, resulted in that young man committing to Christ. We gave him a night to think about it. He, he told me the next day that he is born of God. And as I was speaking that in his wedding ceremony, he had a big grin on his face, was agreeing with everything I was saying. You, there's nothing like that. Inviting people that are not a part to come be a part. Find a safe place. Provide a safe place for people that you know to come and to share a meal with you and begin to bless them and spend time with them. And there are people out there that are, that are dying to have 
an authentic Bible study that leads them to know God in a very personal way. And they don't have to leave their church to do it. They can do it in your house. And they don't have to come here on Sunday mornings. They can go to their existing church on Sunday mornings. But when are they going to get to find out what it is that the Holy Spirit desires for them and how different that is from this experience, their Sunday morning experience, if we don't do that? So it may mean at some point a loss of personal contact with friends or as much contact with friends because you're doing something in your own place. So we all need to consider this. There's also uh, a, a final portion of what Paul does here, and I hope you guys will stay with me, okay, Cause, and not fall asleep and fall on the floor dead because we don't need to resurrect anybody this morning. All right, stay with me. I've got a little more to say here. But this is the challenge for you. We've spent so much time talking about these things, but I just want to lay out what Paul lays out for these elders. He reminds them of some things. And what he's doing is he's literally passing the mantle to these elder who's elders who he's never going to see again. He's thinking about the, 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 the city of Ephesus, and he's thinking about all the work that needs to be done in Ephesus. And he sees these elders in the church at Ephesus as the, as the solution to the problem. And I want to say to you guys, as I think about the cities of Alexandria and Pineville and the surrounding towns of Ball out there in, in uh, Bentley and all these surrounding places where we all live, I, I, I think about you and I think about the potential of what God can do through you. So I want to pass the mantle to you today. It, it's time for you to start thinking about the people in your neighborhood and not waiting for me to think about the people in your neighborhood. It's time for you to step it up and go and disciple some people in your, in your life group because I'm not doing that. It's time for you to step it up and, be, and take on the responsibility. And so there's a shifting of leadership that happens next in the text. And I want to pass that on to you today. So please be alert spiritually and receive this challenge. Look at it in verses 28 to 31. Paul says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away these disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that For three years, I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Here's what he says, and I say to you, in the way of passing the mantle of ownership and responsibility for the ministry of the Gathering Place West. Y'all with me? Ownership. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Number one. If you haven't already made your commitment to abide in Christ, to to seek him every day, to be in his word, to read the word, study the word, uh, pray the word, sing the word, to spend time in the word and get alone with God, it's time to to pay careful attention to yourselves. Now's the time. Let's pass the mantle. I, I will do that every day of my life for the rest of my life. 
And it doesn't make me spiritual. It makes me love God more. It makes me know his will. It makes me see his work. It, 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 lets, it allows me to experience him in my life, to know him by experience through obedience. The time is now. Today is the day. I'm passing the mantle on to you. Pay careful attention to the flock. He's talking to the elders here who are overseers of the flock. But listen, you are overseers of the flock. Elders, that, elders have the, the official capacity and role and, and authority of oversight of the church. But it is every Christian's responsibility. If he is determined to follow the Holy Spirit, to, to take into consideration the people that God's put in his life or her life. It's your responsibility to pay attention to the flock. It blows my mind sometimes. Let's just get real honest. It blows my mind sometimes that things can go on in a life group that nobody in the life group is even aware of at times, that the hurts that are going on in people's lives. And we're unaware because we only meet once a week, and we meet for an hour or two, and then we pull out and we go about our business. And we're not connecting during the week and staying connected and building relationships with people. It's crazy to me how, how... Many times that I'm, I'm finding out about things and nobody's meeting needs. Now, don't sit back there and think, yeah, I remember. Nobody ever meets my needs. That's, all right. I'm passing the mantle on to you. You're the one that needs to meet the needs. You're the, you're the one that needs to get into the life of those people in your, in your life group that are, are your house church that are not experiencing God at the level that you are and help them to come along. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you truth that you can share and share it carefully with each other and, and be, work together to get over your sin and to press into the work that God has for you. We need to care for the flock. We need to pay attention, pay careful attention to the flock. Y'all with me? Everybody feeling that? He says the Holy Spirit is the one that made them overseers to care for the flock of God. And as you're feeling right now, that, that call and that tension of, man, I don't know if I want this or I don't want this. I, you know, this is hard for me, whatever. This is not going to be easy for me. Whatever it is, that, that, that opposition, that tension that you're feeling, I just want to say, it's the Holy Spirit that's calling you to take care of the flock of God. I don't know what other voice you're hearing, but the Holy Spirit, when he speaks, is take care of the flock of God. Everyone in the, in the book of Acts that we've seen so far, in the, in the infancy of the church, these new believers who had the Holy Spirit living inside of them immediately began to sell their possessions and give to each other if they had need. Why is that? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And we need to start getting our minds off of ourselves and off of buying more stuff for ourselves, doing more things for ourselves, just taking care of ourselves and start thinking about the flock of God and investing in the flock of God. I pray that you will take that mantle. That's the thing I'm most concerned about. Why? He says, because, number one, fierce wolves are going to rise up. Don't think that everybody that hears this message today and hears it on the podcast, everybody that's been connected to our church, don't think that they're all secure. They're not. They need to be watched. They need to be taken care of. You, they, you, you need to carefully watch those who are in the flock because fierce wolves are going to come in and try and pull them out. 
They're going to they're gonna be, in their minds, led to go somewhere else or do something else and move away from the distinctives that God's called them to. So we need to be overseers, be the overseers that God's called us to be of the flock of God because of that. But also, please watch for this. There will be people in your house church and in this congregation of, of believers when we come together who will also twist truth. Paul told Timothy that that day would come when when people would not listen to truth anymore. They'd turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths and gather around them people who say the things their itching ears want to hear. Again, God forbid that that would ever happen in the gathering place where somebody would come in and say, you know, these things have been fine up till now, but Glenn's gone. And so, you know, I've been thinking this way. What do y'all think? Yeah, we all think that. Yeah, well, I think that too. And we gather around ourselves, teachers who say the things our aging ears want to hear. We have carefully, prayerfully, one step at a time, one minor step, little steps at a time, have asked the Lord, what, can we, what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? And he has given us what this church is to be about. If you don't feel called to be a part of this, I don't want you to go. I'd rather you stay and feel called. But if you don't feel called, then Go. Don't twist the truth. These things came directly from the Word of God and directly from the Holy Spirit and His interpretation for us as a body. And this town needs it. And other towns need it. And we're going to move it forward. So we need to realize the Holy Spirit has made you. He's making you. I'm passing the mantle, an overseer of the flock of God because of the fierce wolves that arise up outside and also inside, people that will twist things. So Paul says, I commend you. But what does he commend them to? I commend you to the word of grace. I commend you to the word of grace. Everything we do in this body has been focused on the word of grace. It is our motivation. God has given us his word. Paul preaches it here. He preaches everywhere he goes. He preaches the word of grace. And he commends these elders to just make the message what it it always has been for him. Just a simple gospel message of the grace of God given to us in Christ Jesus. Manifested in the death of of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Manifested to us in the righteousness that was given to us. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ handed to us. So I also want to commend to you one word. You don't need to find yourself fighting about theology and doctrine. You don't need to find yourself in some remote corner trying to argue your way into some, uh, your point against someone who's trying to, be, um, trying to prove to you some remote or isolated uh, theological truth. We just need to say, stay true to the word of grace. It's a simple message. And these untrained men are changing the whole world by preaching it. And then he closes by saying this. He says, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease to admonish you. Here's kind of the closing thing for me that makes me know that now's the time for me to make this transition. I was wondering, is it now? Is it not now? Is it not? Is it now? And of course, I'm finding myself in this text all the way through it. And then he says to this church, to these elders, as he passes the torch, he says, for three years, For three years, I didn't cease to admonish you. It's been three years since we've been together, Gathering Place West. Now, you can take that for what you want. 
I know he wasn't talking to me whenever he wrote this passage, but I know I've been here three years admonishing you, leading you, equipping you, preaching what God's told me to preach to you. Now, all of you haven't been here three years, but I've been here three years doing this. And so he says, be alert. And I say also to you, be alert and know this. We have elders in this body that are going to keep an eye on this flock. We're, we're not, I'm not in any way releasing this church. I am an elder and overseer of this body and, and always will be. No matter where I go, sorry. You're stuck with me coming back and telling you what the Lord tells me to tell you. That's going to happen as long as I live. Paul, even when he was in prison, he didn't quit encouraging the church. Look at this, look at this slide. All, you know, Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. Paul wrote most of his letters. Look at all those bottom letters. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians. First and second Timothy, Titus, he wrote those from prison. When Paul couldn't go to the places that he needed to go, he wrote letters. He continued to encourage the church by writing. He was determined to take care of the flock of God. And there's nothing that can hinder me from doing that. I'll continue to write as God allows me to write. And sometimes it'll be books for us. It'll, sometimes it'll be thoughts and ideas and things for us to think about and to consider. And God's called me to do that. Lots of years ago, God told me that, that, that my writing would be what he used. And now it's time. I'm going to be spending more time writing as the Lord leads. So let me close this out by doing this. I just want to make sense of what I've said today, okay? I know it's been a little long today, but I'm done, okay? Other than please hear me out as I close. What am I saying? Number one, transition is now, okay? Transition is now. We are working into that. It's like building a house. We're building it now, okay? Doesn't mean we're moving in tomorrow, (laughs) but we're building it now. Okay, we are building the house. We are asking the Lord. Meeting, we're going to be meeting with the elders. We're going to be bringing things to you. We're going to have open forums and church discussions where we're going to talk about some of these things because we want you to know about them in some ways. And some of these things and others, we will want you to affirm as the church that this is the direction that God is leading us to go. And also, when you say affirm, you're putting your stamp on it and saying, I'm committed to that. I'm receiving that. And so... I'll be here next Sunday. I'm preaching next Sunday, okay, just so you'll know that. Uh, I will continue to be here throughout the Christmas season preaching. I will preach probably the first sermon in January. And then Will and I are going to have discussions this week about how that transition is going to happen, which also, by the way, we will want your affirmation of that. We'll talk about that. We'll want you to affirm Will in the role as a preaching pastor, even though you hadn't had a chance to, uh, choice in the past, you just have to take it when it comes. Uh, so, Will still has an out. You guys can get him out of it uh, here, but he's going to be somewhere preaching. Uh, but it's his call. Most of you know that we've been working on that for years. So, that transition is going to happen. All right. So, that's what you need to get out of today. Glenn and Talitha are here. We're not leaving town. We're going to be in your life. Don't think that if you start straying away, that this overseer is not going to see it and, 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 uh, get with you over a meal or a cup of coffee, and we're not going to straighten those things out. We're going to talk about it together. We're going to work on your relationship with God and all these things. 
But the other thing is this. Today is the day that the mantle needs to be passed. Half of our church is not here today. It's a bad day for God to choose to pass the mantle. But you are here. Today's the day. Today's the day that you need to step up. Now, what are we saying by step up? Here's the thing. You have elders in this church who are going to continue to be overseers of this body. If you feel called to start a church in your home, then we have a plan that is already beginning to be in place of helping you to do that. It will be done according to the gathering place principles, the distinctives of the gathering place, and we're going to work together to plant churches all over this town, all over these towns, this region. We're still going to meet corporately for worship. God's called us to do that. We're still going to be here on Sunday mornings, having worship services, experiencing the Lord together, encouraging one another, building each other up. But you can have a church in your home, and we want you to, and it starts now. Your preparation starts now. Again, we're building a house. Don't go try to move in yet. But ask the Lord about your life, and today is a day for you to be asking and seeking. This week is a good week for you to be asking and seeking. And as we call for commitment to that, then then be prepared. Let us know as elders if you're feeling led to do these things so we can pray with you about that. And we can begin to move you in that direction to, to take you from where you are and help you to be prepared to be that. It's a process, but it starts today. Okay? It's no more, for me, it's no more just sitting around thinking about it. I'm, I'm done with all that. God has spoken clearly. Through the life of Paul and the closeout of the book of Acts, this is the purpose of God for this body. This is the purpose of God for my life. And so we're going to keep moving forward. Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for how active you are in this little body of believers. I thank you, Lord, that lives are being changed literally all over the world because of these few little believers who are nobodies but have committed to do some things together. And now, God, I just pray for a supernatural word for every believer that you would call out, that you would stretch uh, to press forward in their relationship with you and the distinctives of the church that you've given us. I pray that you would call them out and call them out clearly that this week that each person that's here would press in to your word to get a word from you specifically about what you would have them to do. And Father, that you would remove fear and anxiety and that you would fill us with your power and confidence that we, when we walk in you, we have all we need. And Father, for this reason, that lives that are filled with the deadness of self-seeking flesh satisfying behavior and the lives that lives that are dead from seeking to be good self-righteousness and following the traditions of men that both of those 
both of those kinds of lives in our community would be transformed. God, do that work in us for the sake of this community. We pray for all the other communities that you're going to bring us into this next year. That you would just continue to just make those things happen. Father, we don't want to, we don't want to seek those things or make, them think, make those things happen on our own. We ask that you would bring them into our laps and make it super clear for us, God, so that we can know that we know that we know it's you doing the work. And we will give you praise and glory for all of that. In Jesus' name.